It's time, Fort Wayne. Your sports, your station. It's, it's the a sports, sports rush, rush with Brent Ruff. Covering all the topics that hit a nerve here in the Summit City. Only on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Now here's your host, Brett Rump. The greatest, most interesting, most important person of all We have made it to the final day of the first work week of 2024, and we are all set to jump into a sports weekend with a sports rush. Your daily local sports fix, 4 to 6. I am Brett Rump, Adam Lundy of the Producers Chair. Big two-hour extravaganza on the way to wrap up week number one like only we can. That might or may not be true. Coming up, we've got women's basketball coach Maria Marcasano from Purdue-Fort Wayne. We'll also talk to the incomparable Justin Cohn from the Journal-Gazette. Uh, he is going to join us to talk some Comet hockey as the Comets take on, is it Toledo? It's Toledo tonight, right? It's the fish. Yeah, good Good luck with that one. Uh, Comets will be back home taking on Iowa on both Saturday night and Sunday at the Coliseum. But we'll talk, we're going to talk to Justin and find out exactly what is it that causes this issue with Toledo. Is it mental? Is it physical? Is there something in the lineups, the matchups? Uh, because this is supposed to be a rivalry, but you know how rivalries fade is when one team dominates the other, and right now Toledo is dominating the Comets so far this year. So we'll talk to Justin Cohn coming up about 30 minutes down the way. Also, it is Kevin Bowen joining us in hour number two. We've got to talk some Colts football. Might talk a little bit about the college football playoffs, get his perspective on the Michigan-Washington matchup coming up on Monday night, also uh, I'll perhaps touch on Indiana basketball and get Kevin Bowen's thoughts about what is behind the disappointment. I think that's the best way I can describe it for Indiana basketball because I think as a fan, you get disappointed when a team doesn't play to their potential or doesn't seem to play with the effort that you expect them to. I mean, that's the one thing about being a fan is sometimes you can forgive poor play. You can forgive poor shooting, but you never seem to have a lot of forgiveness in your heart for poor effort because you realize how privileged they are to be able to play a game and be able to to uh, get all the benefits of being a a college or professional athlete. And uh, and so with that comes high-level expectations from the fans. And I think it's fair. I think the fans should expect maximum effort from a team every time they watch them play. It doesn't mean they're always going to play well. And sometimes shots don't fall. Uh, sometimes uh, there's there's physical mismatches. You know, I, I, a guy that... You know, might be a wrestler at 120 pounds. If he ends up somehow wrestling a guy, and I know in wrestling this isn't going to happen, but if he wrestles a guy that's 220, 
he's at a great disadvantage. He can he can wrestle as hard as he wants to, and he may not win that wrestling match. Well, sometimes in basketball or in football, you get those kind of mismatches. And all you want to see is your team give their best effort. And sometimes you fall short. And I think that's the big disappointment right now with Indiana basketball is that effort, that consistent effort, possession by possession, just doesn't seem to be there. And some of it is mental, just having mental focus and doing some of the right things. Some of it is physical. Doesn't look like sometimes they really fight their way through a screen or try to beat their man to an angle. And uh, and so I think there is frustration with Indiana basketball. And we'll talk KB about that coming up uh, around 5.15-ish. Ish. We'll, we'll have to see how the 5 o'clock hour goes. Also, uh, a replay of Kevin Kiermeyer. Yeah, that was a fantastic conversation yesterday. You know, we have such a great conversation every time we have Kevin Kiermeyer on this show that it is almost like we only have him once because we don't want to ruin it. <laughs> it's, it's, it always goes great when you talk to him in the off season and he's relaxed and it, it's easy to talk about, you know, stuff not only in the game of baseball, but away from baseball. And, you know, if you talk to him in season, you almost feel like you're obligated to talk a lot of baseball questions. But when you talk to him in the off season, you can say, hey, have you been out fishing? <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. And so. Uh, we had that conversation yesterday with Kevin Kiermeyer, but it was one of those that, that kind of came to, to completion right before the show, not much before the show. Didn't have a chance to promote it a lot yesterday, so I know there were people that probably would love to have been tuned in at the 4 o'clock hour right at the start of the show that couldn't be. So today, we're going to replay it in our 5 o'clock hour. So for those that maybe don't get off work until later hour and can't catch the show until after 5 o'clock, today will be your day to be able to catch up and hear uh, Fort Wayne's own Kevin Kiermeyer from the Toronto Blue Jays. And officially, he has signed his contract for this year, a one-year deal with Toronto to stay north of the border. Uh, I found it fascinating when we talked to him yesterday how much his family enjoyed living in canada yeah they seem to really like it and we we heard that they were excited to go back well and i thought man his kids are never going to want to go to canada because you know once you get once you get used to the florida weather you know and the fact that you can uh you know get up in the morning not have to check the weather you throw a t-shirt on and if you step outside and it's a little chilly you throw a hoodie over it that's all you need right right um and, you know, you've got all the water, you've got the boats, and maybe it's just us up here because we have four seasons that we we kind of envy the people down there. But you know what Kevin said? His kids just absolutely loved the spring. Yeah, and he did and the too. the smell of the, uh, you know, the new blossoms and the grass and the, so I, I guess you appreciate different things based on where your experiences are. And his kids have only pretty much experienced Florida because he's been at Tampa Bay for like nine years. And uh, it's been his first full season in Toronto last season. And now this year, he's going to go back. And he's going to be uh, back with the Blue Jays. And we'll talk to Kevin Kiermeyer somewhere around 530-ish. <laughs> a lot of ish today. <laughs> got a lot of ish. This This show is full of ish. <laughs> tuned in to hear some ish you'll get ish oh yeah i gotta be careful when i say ish yes we are saying ish yes 
Um, <laughs> coming up tomorrow night, Colts, Texans, the big one down in Indy. It does have a playoff feel, right? It's like a play-in game. Oh, yeah. Winners in, loser out. And for the Colts, they take on a Texans team. Statistically, if you match up these two teams, it's advantage Colts. They're also at home. I guess it would be a disappointment if the Colts don't win this game uh, because you look at the Texans' defense, they have not been a good pass defense. That's not necessarily the Colts' strength, but uh, the Texans' defense has been sixth worst in pass yards allowed in the entire NFL. They're also third worst in completion percentage allowed. They're third worst in yards per attempt passing uh, allowed. So they've not done a good job of, of defending against the pass. Now, they are very good against the run. But sometimes teams that have a, a glaring weak side, they're really good on the other side. That's why teams try to pass, or that's, that's why teams take advantage of the pass against them, and they don't run the ball well. Uh, but, but, you know, the Texans are good up front. They've got a pretty good front six, front seven. Uh, they allow just 3.3 yards a carry this season rushing. I think that's second or third in the entire league. So they're very good against the run game. Uh, do the Colts have to run to win? I don't know. I think they're going to have to show they're willing to at least try to run. But, um, you know, and I think having their offensive line healthy, this is the great challenge. It's like you pride yourselves on being one of the best offensive line units in the NFL. This is your chance to go up against a team that prides itself on having a pretty good defensive front and winning those one-on-one battles. And so uh, I think this will be a fun one. Colts defensively, I did not realize this. As much as we have talked in past years about the Colts getting pressure on the quarterback, did you realize the Colts defense right now is fifth in sacks in the entire league? No, I didn't. No, I guess we have to find a different narrative. We can't go with the uh, the pressure on the quarterback or find a guy to sack the quarterback. The Colts collectively fifth in the league in sacks. Uh, 46862, your Parkview Sports Medicine text line. We got anything to give away today? Uh, no giveaways today. Okay, during the break, we'll check the boss's office and just see if we can find something. <laughs> maybe, he's, maybe he's got a picture on the wall. It seems odd, doesn't it, that we don't – I mean, because – you think about it, for the last month when I've been here at least doing the show, it always seems like we have something that we're giving away. So I always have to be reminded, hey, be sure you plug the fact that we're giving something away. Nothing to give away today. It's a rough, it's a rough Friday. Um, <laughs> hey, be sure you take 1380 The Fan with you wherever you may go. And I mean wherever you may go, because you can stream us at 1380thefan.com. Uh, on the free 1380 The Fan app, or you can actually ask your smart speaker to uh, tune in to 1380 The Fan. It's uh, it's easy way to never miss a thing with 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Also, while you're at it, uh, make sure you sign up for the free fan club mailing list, the email list. You sign up at 1380thefan.com, clicking on the on-demand tab, or you can text FAN to 46862. That's fan to 46862 on the Parkview Sports Medicine tax line. You are looking like you've got something to read off the computer. It's just a couple texts we got here on the text line. Uh, somebody said, the Colts game this week feels eerily like two years ago when we lost at the Jags to miss the playoffs. Yeah. 
I can, I, I mean, I can see that. And, and here's another question when we're talking about the Colts and Gardner Minshew. At what point or is there a point that Gardner Minshew takes the Colts in the playoffs that you start to think, geez, maybe he should be the starter? Now, we all know that Anthony Richardson is considered the starting quarterback. But is there a point, like if Gardner Minshew pulls a Nick Foles with the Colts, and yes, it would be a shock, yes, it's probably dreaming, but what if something like that happened and the Colts go on a run and Gardner Minshew is just playing out of his mind? Gardner Minshew, I don't even know if he's on, under contract for next year. So, um, you know, what do you do? With, I mean, is there is there a point where Gardner Minshew could actually threaten to be the starting quarterback over Anthony Richardson, even though Richardson lost his job because of an injury? A lot of people think, hey, if a guy gets injured, loses his job, he deserves to have that job back when he's healthy. But it's a quarterback position. And, you, you know, it certainly changed things in Philadelphia. Let's not kid ourselves. Carson Wentz wasn't looked at the same. He wasn't looked at as the invincible number one quarterback, even though he could have possibly won an MVP that year uh, because Nick Foles stepped in, played just as well or better than Carson Wentz, and everybody started to think maybe it's the coach, maybe it's the system, and maybe it's not all Carson Wentz, which then when Carson Wentz's flaws were exposed, it made it a very quick decision for Philadelphia to move on from Carson Wentz. 46862 is Parkview Sports Medicine text line. High school hoops tonight. Wayne High School for the Northside Legends and the Wayne Generals. We've got your coverage starting at 740, 745 approximately for the tip. And, of course, everything flexible because it's the second game of a double header. So you might catch us on the air at 735. You might catch us on the air at 755. It just depends how long the girls game goes ahead of time. But... Uh, we're planning on about a 7.45 tip for the Northside Legends and the Wayne Generals, both teams 2-0 in the Summit Athletic Conference race. Let's check headlines. What's happening in the world of sports? Adam Lundy is in the anchor chair to tell us all about it. All right, thanks, Brett. Colts cornerback Chris Lamons has been ruled out of tomorrow's winner-take-all regular season finale against the Texans. Center Ryan Kelly... Left guard Quentin Nelson, right tackle Braden Smith, cornerback Kenny Moore, and right running back Zach Moss will all be game day decisions tomorrow. Indiana football just landed their latest transfer about 15 minutes ago, getting a commitment from Troy linebacker transfer Jaden McDonald. McDonald had 75 tackles, 9.5 for loss, a sack, and a forced fumble a season ago. This is technically a return to the Big Ten for McDonald. He was a redshirt freshman at Iowa in 2018. The Jaguars might have to try to win the AFC South without their starting quarterback. Coach Doug Peterson said he needed to see Trevor Lawrence throw the ball a little harder in practice today to test his sprained right AC joint. And the decision to start Lawrence against the Titans could go all the way up until just before kickoff. And some Big Ten football news. Maryland quarterback Talia Togavailoa entered the transfer portal today in what will be his second career transfer. He ranks first in Maryland program history in career passing yards, single season passing yards, and career completions. He has finished his fifth season of eligibility, however, so to transfer to another program, he will need a waiver for a sixth year. It's unclear at this time whether he has been granted that sixth year. Has Oregon got somebody? Did it? 
can't remember if Oregon got a transfer. I'm sure somebody on our text line will let me know. I know Bo Nix is uh, out at Oregon. I'm just trying to think of a landing spot that would be a good situation for Tongvaloa. But uh, anyway, there you go. Today's top headlines with Adam Lundy. Welcome back to the Sports Rush, your daily local sports fix, four to six. Ruff, Ruff, Adam Lundy, we've got you connected on the Parkview Sports Medicine text line, 46862. They did tell us that, yes, Gardner Minshew is a one-year deal. I thought he was, just didn't have it in front of me and didn't want to misspeak. But, uh, you know, what does he have to do or what, what if he does something? Like leads the Colts to an AFC championship game. Maybe not even win it. Just get there. Is there any kind of quarterback controversy happening with the Indianapolis Colts based on Gardner Minshew's performance from here on out? And I I almost want to say playoff performance because I feel like tomorrow night starts the playoffs. Win and advance, lose and you're done. We'll see what happens. But Jacksonville, that's tough news with Trevor Lawrence. If he doesn't play in what, for Jacksonville, is a must-win scenario. I wouldn't mind it. Would not mind if they had yeah. to go play Tennessee without uh, yeah. without Lawrence. Yeah, if you ask me, the shoulder does not look ready. Uh, let's talk some college basketball, women's basketball. Last night, the Purdue-Fort Wayne women got a victory at home against Robert Morris. A little bit of an up and down, but eventually it uh, it ended with a 68-56 to win over Robert Morris, and that improved the Mastodons to an impressive 4-1 and one in Horizon League play. Joining us on the guest line is Mastodons coach Maria Marcasano. Uh, first coach, let's just get your thoughts on last night's game. Yeah, I thought it was a solid win for us. I mean, they came in uh, right around 500, uh, a couple wins in the conference. Um, they've got some good wins, some some maybe not great losses, but uh, when you when you have good wins on your on your schedule, you got to be prepared for a team. And and the one thing that scares me about Robert Morris is um, they've got a little bit of everything, and they're not afraid to take any sort of shot. So when you're scheming your your defense against a particular team, you, you want to kind of bait them into a certain shot or you know design something you're going to give up. Well, they're they're comfortable with every kind of shot. Now they're not extremely efficient with everything, uh, but those type of teams can get hot. And so it was a scary matchup for us. I was really proud of how we came out and got back on track offensively. Uh, you know, defensively, we've been solid. The offense has kind of been up and down, and, and we did some things last night that we haven't done in a while. Um, and I don't just mean hitting shots. There's just, you know, little details within our offense that we had gotten away from. So it was good to see. Um, obviously, always fun when, when you hit 10 threes, but um, definitely a solid win at home last night. Yeah, good percentage from three as well, 10 of 24 for the game. And uh, so good, solid shooting from the perimeter for the Mastodons last night. But it's an important bounce back win, too, because you had the test against Green Bay on the road way up in northern Wisconsin. And clearly, Green Bay has kind of separated themselves. I feel like the team to be Cleveland State, very close behind. It's almost a 1A, 1B type scenario with those two. They've both been very good so far this year. But, uh, you know, you go into that Green Bay game. And it's really somewhat of a measuring stick to figure out where you're currently at. And you, and it's not where you need to be. It's just where you're at right now. There's a very small margin for error when you take on a team like Green Bay, especially playing them on the road. And, uh, you know, a couple of things with the turnovers and a couple of other things didn't necessarily uh, translate into a victory. But what did you learn from that game? Because I feel like 
even in a loss, and no one likes to take a loss to get a learning lesson, but even in that loss, it at least gives you somewhat of a measuring stick. These are the areas we're going to have to get better by the time we get to the end of the season. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Green Bay's, you know, they have two top 25 wins. They almost beat a, another top 25 team. Um, you know, they're essentially a power five program within our conference, and that's how they play. I think, um, you know, we hung with them, you know, blow for blow for almost the entire first half, and it's, it's kind of frustrating because depending on what ref crew you get, uh, it can be a very different game, and that game up there was extremely, extremely physical. Last night, quite the opposite. The refs were on top of everything from the get-go, so our girls had to adjust um, with how the game was being called, and it was extremely physical. Our kids were not able to, to dribble, drive anywhere uh, without hands on them, without um, you know, feeling the presence, and obviously they swarm the ball, and they're in the comeback gaps, and they like to double and all that, and we did not handle that well. We watched it on film. Um, I think our kids were a little bit nervous. That was a game they'd been looking forward to. Um, some of those early shots didn't fall, so then we started pressing even more. Uh, but yeah, definitely, you know, the measuring stick. I mean, they're, I mean, they beat everyone in this area, not just us. So, um, you know, we went up there, did not play well. You know, last year we played them, you know, to five point losses and one five point loss, one four point loss, you know, last year at the end of the season. So we've got to get back to where we're comfortable playing with their physical style play and, um, can, can continue to get better on some of the other things that we need to work out, work on. And it's not just, you know, the Green Bay game. You know, we, we won at Milwaukee that same weekend, and we still didn't play great, you know. So for us to go on the road on the Wisconsin trip, get a split, not play really well in either, you know, in either game and still come away with a win is, is definitely a positive step for us. Well, and you mentioned that Milwaukee game, and the thing about that was Milwaukee gave you a real push there, and you didn't play real well. But down the stretch, once, once Milwaukee, I think it was tied, uh, you ended up uh, skunking them and, and running away with uh, the end of that one. So, in fact, I think they might have been up by two, and you went on a 12 nothing run to end that game. So you did have the response, especially at crunch time. Is that part of having the experience that you've got? Was that the difference in that Milwaukee game as, as an experienced bunch was able to handle that punch late by Milwaukee? Yeah, I think it was a combination of a couple of things. I mean, the experience definitely helped. Um, you know, getting Jazzy back in that game. She was cleared literally that morning and was driven up to Milwaukee, had not had one single practice, but her plus-minus was the second highest on our team. She had four assists, some big rebounds. Um, she had a big bucket and late in that stretch. And, again, that's a kid that's been there. You know, she was one of our go-to players down the stretch last year. Um, so to have that experience in the lineup between her, Millie, Shea, you know, Des and Odd. Uh, even Ryan, everyone really stepped up at different times in that game, and, and, and it's awesome to do on the road, but it's awesome to do at all. You know, in a nip-and-tuck game like that, we started out slow and thankfully finished strong. I'm kind of curious, with two uh, players that have had so much experience and have been uh, counted on for so much scoring in their careers, and Shayla Sellers and uh, Amelia Bromenschenkel, with a team that has the balance this team has, you've got a number of players that can fill it up, including a couple of freshmen that uh, that come off the bench. What are your expectations? Do, do you expect uh, players like Millie and Shea to, to consistently be the top scorers if they're not scoring? Are you disappointed as a coach? Or is that a byproduct of building extra depth around them? 
I mean, I think my expectation is that we make the right play. And, you know, sometimes the right play is going to end up getting you know, a very common theme this year. Sometimes it's going to be, you know, Millie. And she's probably our most consistent and dominant scorer. But we have so many people that can score the ball. You know, Destiny Marshall was our leading scorer last night. Uh, that we can't, uh, you know, consistently go out there and expect Justin Shea, just Shea and Millie to do the scoring, which I think is a good thing. You know, it's harder to scout a team that's got multiple weapons. Um, but if we did go out every single game and say, you know, Millie, you got to give us 15, Shea, you got to give us 12, I, that puts pressure on them, and, and they need to play freely, and they need to not think that uh, if I don't get my points, we're not going to win games. And I think that's the beauty of our team is we're going to feed the hot hand, we're going to share the ball, uh, and hopefully try and make the right basketball plays. You mentioned the injury to Jaslyn Limbo and the fact that she's back in the lineup. But a real plus of having her out of the lineup is that Sydney Graber also picked up a more significant role. And I think we've seen her growth during those extra minutes. For sure. I mean, her confidence is super high. You know, she comes in the game and we're looking to feed her right away. She's, um, you know, very talented around the rim. Um, she's got, you know, different moves that she can use. She doesn't just have one move or one go-to move. You know, she can really uh, maneuver around the rim and finish, and she's strong down there defensively. She's pretty good in our coverages. Um, So for her to get that experience in those minutes, you know, the last uh, eight to ten games has been huge because when she comes in the game now, uh, the confidence is high, and she knows we're going to go to her uh, to look for a scoring spark. You know, we as soon as she came in yesterday, it was a timeout, and we immediately ran a play for her. Uh, She missed that one, but then the next two she finished. So, uh, that's something that we've uh, started to count on from her, and it's been a nice little perk of, of having Jazzy out uh, for those games. Of course, uh, a big one coming up on Saturday. We would not have have thought this uh, prior seasons, but Detroit Mercy has been a huge turnaround and success story this season and uh, coming off, I believe, a loss. So it's, uh, it's kind of an angry bunch that you're going to see this weekend up in the Motor City. But what, what has changed? What has improved this Detroit team so much in just one year? I think yeah, a couple of things. Um, you know, they got a core group of players to come back. You know, in this transfer portal era, you know, Detroit's been hit hard with that, and they haven't been able to return uh, good players. So they got some players that got very good experience last year. Uh, to come back under their new coach. Um, they added some pieces. Um, a lot of their players are very similar but better. You know, we watch, like, their their point guard, Mayana Hooper. She's really good, and last year she really couldn't shoot it. Well, now she's really good and can shoot it. Um, you know, their post players, both are stretching the floor with three-pointers now, and last year they didn't do that nearly as much. So I think they're just better, you know, all around. Their schemes are the same. Their defense is the same. Their offense is the same. Uh, very grinded-out style. They're going to run ball screens. Uh, nothing fancy on offense, but um, they're just overall a, a, a more complete team. Their their chemistry on court is solid, um, and they're playing with a lot of confidence, and they have that expectation in year. I think she might still be there, but uh, it's one of those things with the phone cutoff, the 430 cutoff. You ever notice it always seems to be about the same time that we have an issue with our guests? Uh, by the way, coming up for the women uh, they will be at Detroit Mercy coming up on Sunday afternoon. Detroit Mercy, 10-5 and five on the year, same record as the Mastodons. And then the Mastodons will be back at home on Wednesday, taking on a team they already have a win against in Horizon League play as the Oakland Golden Grizzlies will visit the Gate Center Wednesday night, 7 o'clock. Uh, 
on the campus of Purdue Fort Wayne. We've got to take a time out. When we come back, we will be talking to Justin Cohn from the Journal Gazette. This is the Sports Rush on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM. Don't forget, coming up tonight, we've got Purdue basketball against Illinois, but it's going to shift down the dial. Actually, jump over to FM. If you're listening to us on 1380 today, the Purdue Boilermakers fighting Illini game can be heard on 92.3 FM, WoWo Radio, only on 92.3 FM tonight. 7.30, the pregame, 8.30, the approximate tip time as uh, Purdue welcomes the Fighting Illini into Mackey Arena. We'll have high school basketball with the Northside Legends and the Wayne Generals right here at 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM as it's part of the Parkview Sports Medicine High School Basketball Friday Night with the Game of the Week and the postgame show wrapping it up at the Waynedale Pizza Hut up until 10.30. Comets on the road tonight taking on the Toledo Walleye. And uh, despite the previous results against Toledo, I understand the Comets did actually get on the bus and will take the trip to Toledo tonight. Uh, let's talk to our next guest about some of the problems the Comets have had in this series from the Journal-Gazette. It is Justin Cohn. And explain it to me, Justin. Is it talent? Is it uh, mental? What what has made it such a challenge for the Comets against Toledo this season? Well, you know, I usually call this rivalry uh, fire versus fish, but this year it's been more like heating blanket versus barracuda <laughs> or something like that. Um, I, you know, I think it's part it's part system, it's part mental, um, it's part just not having a ton, ton of confidence against them. I mean, you know, on paper, I think the teams are fairly even. Um, but Fort Wayne just hasn't figured out that you really have to play, pardon the cliche, pretty mistake-free hockey against Toledo, and that's because they're so good in transition. Like, there was a play, and I actually posted on, on Twitter, X, the other day, where, you know, Fort Wayne was at Kalamazoo, and they brought the puck into the offensive zone, and they got too fancy with it, and they just kind of misfired on the pass, and it was just sitting there. And no big deal because Kalamazoo didn't do anything with it. But Toledo, they would have pounced on that puck and they would have been up the ice and had a scoring opportunity in the blink of an eye. So that's the really big thing. Like, you cannot make mistakes against Toledo like you can against Kalamazoo, Indy, Wheeling, teams like that. So, you know, I think that's the big thing. But, you know, they're 1-5-1 and one against Toledo there's no way, based on the talent and everything, that they should be 1-5-1 one, and one against them. What do you have to do to counter Toledo and their strength? You talk about uh, Toledo's strength being transitioned. Do you have to keep the puck deep so that if Toledo does get the puck, they've got the full length of the ice to go? Do you have to play them physical uh, and, and, and own the neutral zone? What What is the answer to that? Still there? Yep, I'm sorry. Did did you catch okay, the question? Sorry. Yeah, I think so. I, um, I lost yeah, your I answer, the, so we're we're okay yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, I'm on, on 24 going to the game. Um, I, you know, I think I think you touched on it. Like you got to get the puck deep, and you got to set up the forecheck. That's what the Comets do well. It's nothing exciting, uh, but you just get the puck in the corners and you grind them down, and then you wait for the opportunity. 
And when they get too fancy and they're looking for these tic-tac-toe passing plays, it's a recipe for disaster. Not to say that they don't have the talent to, to pull those off, but it's just not the way I would play against Toledo. So, thing, I mean, I, I keep saying you got to play physically against them. Um, you know, the problem there is you got to catch them because they're fast uh, and they're very small. Uh, but I still think if you rough them up a little bit, uh, there is an ingredient there to be successful. And then the third thing is, I would say, is special teams. Uh, I don't remember the number offhand, but I think Toledo is like nine for maybe 21, something like that on power plays against Fort Wayne. So you certainly got to stay out of the box. But if you do go into the box, you got to do better with their power play. And, and it is a very good power play. So many talented players there. Do you have to beat Toledo 3-2, 2-1 in that style of game, or can the Comets win a game that ends up 6-5? Uh, they can. I think you're better off trying for a low-scoring game. Uh, but let's be honest. I mean, you just don't see many of those anymore, you know? Like, we had a one nothing game the other day, and it was like, it's crazy. You just you just don't see those in the ECHL and. 2023-2024. So, you know, I, I think it's a great idea. You know, go out there. Let's try to win 2-1, to one, maybe 3-2. to two, But I, I just don't know how realistic it is. He's going through that uh, that dead zone. Uh, that, that Northwest Ohio dead zone. And I don't know. We might completely <laughs> lose him. Hey, he's back. Yeah, Northwest Ohio. They've got all those windmills, but... Damn, if they don't put up a stupid cell tower somewhere along 24. Um, Justin, you still there? Yes, I'm still here. Sorry okay. Okay. It, it, it's one of those where you're, you're we're kind of just killing time until you get to like some community like Defiance that might actually have a cell tower. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> you know, it, 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 for some reason, Northwest Ohio is the worst. And I've traveled all over the country, and I can just tell you, there's no place worse as far as cell service. Then uh, and maybe some areas of South Dakota or North Dakota, uh, they just have two Dixie cups with a string attached. But uh, other than that, it's bad in Northwest Ohio. So um, yeah, we were talking about that—the fact that a lot of hockey now has become very offensive. Is that styles? Is it schemes? Is it today's players? Is it lack of good goaltending? What What's the story that that you see so many six to two, six to three, six to four type of games? Well, I, I think it's all of the above. You know, I mean, we can remember 10, 15 years ago, everybody was dumping the puck in. Everything was dump and chase. And now watch these teams, they bring the puck up ice, and then they go backwards and they drop a pass and they circle back into their own end and they're, they're looking for that perfect play. And I think that speaks to a different mentality today. Um, but, you know, there's also a level of, there's just a lot more offensive talent and, you know, everybody's out there trying to do the Michigan move. And um, so <laughs> I, I do think it's just the sport has changed a little bit, but, you know, I you know, look at Florida winning the championship last year. I mean, they dumped it in a lot, you know, they got physical, they played blue collar hockey, so it still can be done and it still can be done successfully. Justin, uh, we could not have you on and not address the situation with the Detroit Lions and the Dallas Cowboys. We know that you are a Detroit sports fan, and so the Lions got completely screwed in that situation. It's going to cost them. But that aside, 
What about the Lions heading into the playoffs? How confident are you? Uh, I don't know how confident a Lions fan could ever truly be, uh, but it's been a lot of fun. <laughs> I mean, look, they're, they're great on offense. They're opportunistic on defense. There's a lot of ingredients for success, but they haven't been consistent in the second half of the season, and that, that worries me a little bit. But And I think I've said it to you before. I don't care what happens. Like They could not score another point, and I would still be content because it's been so much fun. Like Literally, like waiting decades to have a season this much fun. So, uh, you know, it's just been a blast. But, you know, I, I, I have some enthusiasm, but I am also a little bit nervous about what they're going to be able to do. I want to ask you this question because we don't talk about the Lions a whole lot on this show. And while we have you, I want you to be kind of the point counterpoint. Here's my thought on the Lions. They've got Jared Goff. To me, he's the Alex Smith of the Kansas City Chiefs. It's a good team around him, but the quarterback is nah. I'm not 100% sold on Jared Goff. I think the Lions' move to make is to be aggressive in the draft and try to go up and get one of these quarterbacks. What are your thoughts if, if that's the case? Uh, I mean, look, they got, got, they've got got Hooker. I, I feel like they're going to develop him. I mean, I don't know that I would expend a high draft pick and try to, you know, eat a year waiting for him to really get ready. Uh, I like Goff. I mean, he's, he's, he's turned me. I was very down on it when they acquired him. Um, I did not think he was the guy six weeks ago. He was one of the big MVP candidates. There are certainly moments where you're like, Oh, okay. I see why the Rams would give up on him now, but he's done nice things. Like you cannot discount what he has done and how big a part he has been, uh, of them getting better. And look at what he's done with Amon Ross St. Brown. Look what he's done with Sam Laporta. So, I mean, really, if we sat there and counted all the quarterbacks in the NFL, like how many are you really taking above him now? I mean, can't be more than 10. I mean, I don't know. We'd have to sit there and count it. So that's all to say I would stick with him. I wouldn't expend a first-round pick on him. Uh, I, I, I think he's earned it. I do at this point. Justin, uh, always enjoy talking to you and uh, look forward to your coverage from Toledo tonight as the Comets take on the Walleye. Back at home against Iowa, uh, a team they've already had some success against. So it should be, uh, let's hope, a fun weekend of Comet hockey tonight, tomorrow night, and then on Sunday with the uh, Martin Luther King uh, game uh, Sunday against Iowa at 5 o'clock. Justin, have a safe trip, and we'll look forward to your coverage on Journal Gazette. Uh, Journal Gazette, JG.net, and, uh, of course, Sports Icon on X on Twitter. Appreciate it. All right. Apologize for that connection. Oh, it's not your fault. No, it's the uh, those big windmills they've got uh, in northwest Ohio. Actually, I don't know if the windmills have any effect on cell service, but I can tell you as soon as you cross in to northwest Ohio, cell service can get very shaky. It depends a little bit on who your cell service provider is. Mm -hmm. But I know that I've had two of the major providers 
and both of them have had issues in northwest Ohio. So Maybe it's the windmills themselves. They're chopping up that... Uh, yeah, they're breaking up the signal or something. <laughs> I, they're getting in the way. I don't know. Who knows? 46862 uh, is Parkview Sports Medicine text line. 46862. Uh, all right, so let's do this now, Adam. I want to get this out. We've got to rank our top 10 Indiana Division One basketball teams. I haven't done it for almost three weeks because... Well, we were off, but uh, I want to get back because there's been some changes in my rankings. So let's go ahead and start at number 11, and it's the IUPUI Jaguars. That team uh, right now, they don't look like they're heading the right direction for Coach Crenshaw. Uh, they got beat at Robert Morris. What was it last night? 92 to 48. Uh, and that's not a Robert Morris team that sits atop the Horizon League standings. Uh, it's just not going well for IUPUI, so I've got them at number 11. At number 10, I've got the Valparaiso Beacons. Uh, you know, I hate to put them this low because I thought maybe I could move them up a notch, but they're just not a real good basketball team, and I think they're going to take a lot of lumps in the Missouri Valley Conference. At number 9, it's Southern Indiana. Uh, not a whole lot better than Valpo. I could have easily flipped these two, but Southern Indiana did get a hard-fought win last night. So I've got uh, USI at number nine. At number eight, I debated this for a while, but I've got Evansville. Uh, I think the uh, Purple Aces have been a much-improved team this year. But I look at some of the teams I got above them, and I'm like, yeah, I don't really feel like I can knock them down below Evansville. So I've got Evansville at number eight. At number seven, the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. I moved them up a notch because they got that big win over Virginia, and then they had a comfortable lead against North Carolina State at home and blew it. Lost by two. In the second half, after leading, I think, by eight at halftime. Uh, so Notre Dame sits at number seven. At number six, the Ball State Cardinals. This team could go either direction, up, down, really not sure. It's going to be an interesting last couple of months of the regular season for the Ball State Cardinals. At number five, the Indiana Hoosiers. I'd love to have Indiana higher because I think it's good for our show and it's good for the state in itself to have a good Indiana basketball team. Why? They're much more the villain. You know, they're the team you either love or you love to hate. And it's much better when that team is good than when that team is very mediocre. And right now, I don't know that you've got much better than a mediocre to above average basketball team. They may have moments where they can knock off a giant, but there's going to be a lot more moments where they compete against teams that you think they should beat easily. So I've got Indiana at number five. At number four, the Mastodons of Purdue-Fort Wayne. 13-2, and 4-0 in the Horizon League and a huge test coming up. In fact, over the next week, we will learn a lot about the Mastodons when they take Wright State on tomorrow a team with two bigs and two really talented guards. Then they go to Youngstown State to take on a team that has been right there with them at the top of the league throughout the season. And uh, and then they have to finish off the road trip with a quick turnaround 
from Youngstown State to head to Robert Morris. And Robert Morris is the team that just beat IUPUI 92-48. to So uh, it'll be a real test this week for the Mastodons. But this week, I've got them at number four. At number three, the Butler Bulldogs. Big one tonight. The Bulldogs hosting the Yukon Huskies. That's a pretty good doubleheader tonight. Butler, Yukon, Purdue, Illinois. Not bad at all. National TV doubleheader. FS1, I believe, is where you will find your television broadcast. But Butler, Yukon tips off at 6.30 tonight down at Hinkle. At number two, the Indiana State Sycamores. I do believe in Indiana State. They've got all the all the weapons. I mean, they've got some athleticism and size. They've got three-point shooters. I, uh, I watched them play the other night, and I'm impressed. They move the ball well. They set up their shots well. In Indiana State, number two, and at number one... Oh, come on. You really need a drum roll for this? <laughs> we should all know. Like there's drama? Yeah, it is the Purdue Boilermakers. There you go. Our uh, top in Indiana this week. We'll take a break. When we come back, we've got uh, Kevin Bowen, Kevin Kiermeyer. It's the All Kevin Hour here on the Sports <laughs> Rush on 1380 The Fan and 100.9 FM.